Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson. I'm working on 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, yeah. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat. Eastern Conference Final, playoff basketball. So, Kenneth, after that game one win, that it was a bit of a roller coaster because in the first half, we didn't play that well. And then in the second half, it went great, at least in the third quarter. So how you doing, man? I'm good, man. You know, I'm always glad to be here talking Miami Heat ball with you, especially at the win, especially at the win like game one. Uh, I'm just ready to, you know, get it going. Let's talk about it. Yeah, we're recording on Wednesday, May 18th, day after the Heat's game one win over the Boston Celtics. Fuck Boston forever. 118 to 107. The game, well... Yeah, I, I'm not going to call it the Jimmy Butler game or Jimmy's best game of the postseason because he's had so many great games that it kind of, I wouldn't call it routine because I don't want to downplay it, downplay his greatness. But it was still a pretty damn good game from him. 41 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals, 4, and sorry, almost almost read the blocks, pardon, but yeah, 4 steals. So, in the first half, things didn't go Really, according to plan, the Celtics came out with a good effort. The Heat were missing, missing. They were playing uncharacteristic defense. They were missing rotations in the paint. They were getting layups. Jason Tatum was just getting wherever he wanted. But in the second half, a switch flipped. Uh, a yeah, they flipped the switch. Is what is what they say. And even though Jason Tatum finished with a great line on paper, you might say that he actually did not play that well and we actually did a pretty good job at containing him, pressuring him whenever he got the ball, whenever any Celtic got the ball. I was particularly, well, not shocked because uh, he do have the perimeter defenders to bother him, but I was, I did find it interesting that Jalen Brown struggled so much in this game, throwing Victor Lodipo against him and having, and having, and him facing the switching defense of the Heat was, you know, really interesting to see how he struggled. Kenneth, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I agree with you for the most part, man, except the fact that even when you look at, you know, Jalen, I mean, well, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they both kind of got going to the end of the game, but I think you were, you know, basically trying to hit on that is the fact that Though, you know, they had 29 and 24 points, 10 rebounds and 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 assists. Um, Both of them were, you know, not the most efficient. Um, You look at Tatum's overall field goal percentage, he shot uh, almost 50%, 47.6, 10 of 21. Um, But you look at his threes where he shot 2 of 9, 22%, uh, got to the line 9 times, missed 2 of them. But you look at Jalen Brown, I mean, it's just a, a picture of inefficiency, 7 of 17, 41% from the field, 
uh, four of eight from three. So I guess the 50% shooting from three kind of get, you know, makes you lean back a little bit towards okay. But he missed four free throws, man. He went six of 10 at the free throw line. And when you, you know, pride yourself and when your game is so predicated on being physical, being athletic, and getting to the cup to create space for the rest of your game to flourish, um, you got to be able to knock down your free throws. And if you, you know, take it for what it is and when it occurred, you have to agree with the sentiment that though they had a great stat line, the sentiment you put out, um, that it wasn't the most efficient, you know what I mean, game for, for neither of them. But if you look at the Boston Celtics, the thing that really stood out to me between the first and the second half was, yes, the Miami Heat didn't play their brand of defense at all. But at the same time, even once the Celtics got to the spots that they got to, they made some crazy shots. 26 of 44 in the first half, shooting nearly 60% from the field. Uh, they only shot 35% um, in the first half from three. But if you look at the Miami Heat, who shot, you know, 48% from the field, uh, right at 50%, still over 10 percentage points lower than the Celtics percentage, but they shot four of 14 from three, only 28%. I mean, the Celtics made everything. The Miami Heat didn't make anything, it seems. Uh, and then half two things came back to being closer to the way that they typically are. And I'm not going to say that that means Boston struggles every time in the second half, but you can't speak for them as much as what you consistently see from the Miami Heat, which is a team that can knock down their three-pointer, six of 16 from three um, in the second half where they went 37.5%. Uh, of course, still right at their 50% field goals. You know, they attack the paint, get things there. Um, but they played that type of defense that we know they can play when they're at their best. Yeah, absolutely, Kenneth. I want to talk about a guy, listen, I don't want to downplay, again, what Jimmy Butler did in this game and what he's been doing throughout these these playoffs, but I want to talk about Gabe Vincent and the impact that he's had on this team and how admirably he has filled the role of point guard, the, the point guard role in Kyle Lowry's absence, who, by the way, was ruled out for game two this Thursday. So, I'm not saying we're a better team with... With Gabe Vincent running the point. But we didn't skip a beat. And I think that's the most important thing. He was playing tough defense. Making his shots. Making really tough shots. And you know. The Celtics. Obviously he can he can struggle a bit against the, the wings. But. He. Obviously defensively I mean. Because Tatum bulldozed him in a couple plays. But how did you feel about Gabe Vincent's performance in this game Kenneth? Let me start at the top, man. You know me. I'm a eye test guy, and that doesn't mean that I don't know how to use the numbers, that I don't know what the numbers mean, because, as I mean, as you just saw in my last soliloquy about the game and the shooting, um, I know how to use the numbers to bring context to what it is that I see, but I don't try to use the numbers to tell a story and then find specific plays that validate the agenda or the point I'm trying to make. It, trying to make. So let's get that out the way. Let's go even further back. Um, for a long time... Gabe Vincent was a guy that many people didn't want on the team when he wasn't making the shots in the beginning. However, and I was a proponent of it even back then, you can validate everything I'm about to say. Um, you saw that with the type of shots he took, with the way he could get to those shots, how those shots look and how even the misses look, that if you continue to give Gabe a shot offensively, Gabe could get some things done from you in like a bursty kind of, combo guard 
get us nine to 12 points off the bench every game, every other game or so type guy. Okay. So then you had last season or so, um, the Avery Bradley season with the Miami Heat, where people don't take this seriously enough. And I harp on this and I call him now on Twitter and you can validate this as well. Gabe, I watched the tape, Vincent, because ever since he's taken the nuance or taken the principles or gotten the keys or a little tutelage or had the conversation with Avery Bradley that might have simply, you know, made him realize how serious doing the little things are on defense, he's become a whole new defensive player as well. He's a complete player out there. Um, And I said that to say, you know, it's, it's like, you can go from Jimmy Butler to the complaints about Bam Adebayo. When you're talking to people, when you're listening to people who don't know what they're looking at, you can get things confused because for a long time we've known that Gabe Vincent was capable of the things that he's capable of. And I say we because I consider you to be an educated fan. Um, Gabe Vincent has showed you Thank the you. ability to get it done off the pity pat. Off the pity pat. Gabe Vincent has shown you and you know above average athletic ability when he gets to the cup. He's not afraid to make it happen. He hit a reverse layup, little dipsy do up under Robert Williams um, in game one, the shot blocker uh, that just showed you his athleticism. That isn't the first time he's done something like that. Of course, the man has a wetter from the outside, always told people, look at the jump shot. It's beautiful. He's not missing by a mile. It's literally going in and out. He's just got to be the unluckiest guy in the world for a whole season because right now that thing is wet. And he made so many big shots for the Miami Heat in game one. Uh, It wasn't about the volume or, you know, coming down, being able to break the defense down. It's when he made the shots, how he made the shots, in the possessions, big swinging moments, crunch time periods at the quarter or whatever, uh, the momentum of the game. Difficult shots, I might add. Absolutely. Gabe Vincent was able to do that for you. Uh, I mean, he burnt Jason Tatum eyes out one time and it just, you know, oh, man. Um, by the way, he got abused last night. When you talk about that Gabe shot, when you talk about how Jimmy spent them around on the baseline and had him diving forward like he was ice skating and lost his footing, but we're not going to mention that. We're talking about Gabe Vincent. Um, you just mm. love what he's giving you. So from the perspective of playing better, and I want to touch on that because I actually wrote that um, at All You Can Heat recently where you can check us out for all your written and verbal Miami Heat needs. Check him out, yo. Um. We don't need – Gabe Vincent has been better for us over the last couple of games. He has been a more effective option than Cal Lurie. We have ran with more fluidity at the clip that we usually run at, the expectation as far as how this team should look when they're going, uh, especially in a meaningful situation like this. But the only reason for that is because Cal Lurie isn't right. Like he hasn't yeah. been right since game three of Atlanta, and that is the reason that I have to agree with you. And that was the point made, like – yeah, it's best that Cal Laurie sits right now. Until he gets 100% right, you can't have him on the floor because he'll hurt you. And not that he'll hurt you and that he still isn't able to help the team because you can see him doing that from the you know, sidelines or whatever. It's just certain physical things he can't do. The offense isn't there. He can't get his shot off like he wants to. or He has to overcompensate, which is why his stuff was coming up either too short or too long because uh, he was doing it all from his arms. He couldn't get the – You know, he couldn't get the burst from his legs that he wanted to get. And you saw that uh, in games three and four. Yeah, games three and four, the two away games for Philly when he came back. So that would be the thing I would go with Gabe Vincent. Until Cal Laurie's right, and I won't say 100%, because, you know, certain guys, you only need them at 85 90% for them to be right. So until he's right, you're right. Gabe Vincent's the better option. 
Nobody's 100% at this point Absolutely. in the season. I Absolutely. mean, P.J. Tucker gave us a scare in the first half. Oh, yeah, that scared he, the hell out of me. Because the man, you never see P.J. do that. He literally took himself out of the game. He had to basically crawl to Absolutely. the bench. I was thinking Achilles until I saw the slow motion replay. I prayed to God I didn't see that man look back like somebody had kicked him. Um, and once I saw that, I felt okay about it. I still wanted to see if he was going to be able to come back, which he did. Um, but it's just the way he hopped off and the areas of the foot that he was giving attention to. Um, you just, you know what I mean? And then super tough guys, Kobe, you know, PJ could be one of them guys. I could see Jimmy being one of those guys. Even LeBron, if you wanted to go that far. Just guys that are physically tougher um, or just physically freaks like LeBron is in his case. Um, you could see them walking off on an Achilles, which, you know, PJ was able to still stand up. But it's just like you said, the way he was lumbering and uh, laboring to get off in the area of his foot that he gave attention to, you just hope that it wasn't that. And the replay, because, you know, they say when a guy tears an Achilles, he looked back like somebody kicked him in the heel. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what Kobe That's what Kobe asked Harrison Barnes if he had kicked him in the in the leg, and he said no. Right. So uh, yeah, you're just glad you didn't PJ, see that. PJ had been dealing with an ankle injury because he mentioned it in a recent interview he had. Right. And he did say that, you know, it's some basically the same sentiment, echo the same sentiment that I said. Like nobody's 100 percent at this point. He did mention he was dealing with a nagging ankle injury, and I hope. I didn't see him in the injury report yet. They haven't. I hope he did come back. So I think that bodes well. Absolutely. And not only you did know, he come back, but he he did PJ things when he came back. So you you're confident there. Yeah. So hopefully he is okay. There's a cameo, the requisite cameo by, by the dogs, like the one Marvel movies. Yeah, it's always one of ours. Like the Marvel movies, with requisite cameos. But let's keep talking about our guys. Tyler Hero had a pretty. Good, I can I confess something to you? Talk. I I wasn't worried. I was just like in wait and see, to see how Tyler Hero performed in the series. And in the first game, he performed admirably. At least in, in the scoreboard, and he was getting a shot off. Absolutely. However, I will add a caveat to that. Marcus Smart did not play for the for the Celtics, as neither did Al Horford. And I will also add to that that Kyle Lowry did not play for us. So, you know, we're missing our starting point guard. They're missing their starting point guard and center. So before people come back, oh, you guys, they were missing Al Horford and Marcus Smart. Well, yeah, bitch, we're we're missing Kyle Lowry as well. So right, we're down. missing the best player in Toronto Raptors franchise history and he's only well, greatest played. greatest nah, the difference, different difference between best and greatest well you can you know semantic semantics i'm gonna take the guy who was there long as who was consistent and who ended up winning the title i know people can say you know it's Kawhi, it's vc well you know i mean Kawhi was only there as a rental and yeah he was part of the reason they got the title but the guy universally recognized plays at miami but hasn't played in but five games of their 11 playoff games so far. you 12, sorry. You take that as you will. Shit, I would be surprised if he doesn't, like if the series gets extended, maybe he comes back for the latter games, but I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he misses this entire series as well because hamstring injuries, who knows with them. Absolutely, seen, and, we, and the thing about it players, is, yeah. go ahead, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, uh, no, it's okay. I was just going to say that we have seen guys that, 
I mean, hamstring injuries, they just keep nagging at them and they need a full, they need a couple weeks to recover. Are you saying we got James Harden over there, man? Well, I'm not calling him James Harden. I'm just messing with you, bro. (laughs) But, yeah, hamstring injuries are, I'm no doctor, but from what I have seen, they're no joke. And they take time. Only thing that can heal a hamstring is time and rest, bro. Um, the thing about it though is you, if you find yourself with the advantage, you're not going to rush Kyle back. If you put yourself in a pinch where you're, you know, three, three game seven, whatever like that, or you know what I mean? You're in a four, two elimination, well, three, two elimination game situation, then you bring him back. But if you can keep the pressure off yourself and hold him out as long as you can, you do that, and I'm sure he'll give it everything he got in the finals, and you'll get whatever he can give you as long as he's effective um, because then you have the whole offseason to rest. So, I mean, I'm sure they're playing it by ear, and if the pressure would ever get too tight and you thought that Kyle Lowry could help you in a couple of minutes or in a row, then, you know, I'm sure he's willing to come back and that you, you know, pull that trigger. But at the same time, it's probably more of a wait-and-see situation than anything is definitive. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a game seven. Well, in game seven, you usually just throw everything at the wall and whatever sticks. Absolutely. And you worry about everything else the next day. And I mean, that may not be the best approach, but hey, that's how you handle it. Yeah. So we got sidetracked there, but I was talking about Tyler Hero. He did play well at both ends of the floor, I might add. That's usually not the case. Not not for a lack of effort. He's just, you know, has some physical limitations. Well, I don't even know if it's that as much as he's always been a star, a superstar, even at every other level off of his offense. He's now in a play. And here's the thing. You can even look at Max Strauss, and I've always told you, if you want a bucket, cut on Max. So Max has even become a better all-around defender, on-ball, off-ball, because of being in Miami. A lot of these guys, it's not that they don't have the capability, especially when you're talking about a guy like Max or a guy like Tyler, who in all actuality, they are pretty athletic you know what i mean even for white dudes let's state the obvious they're pretty athletic <laughs> i mean the only thing i would say with he has a pretty his wingspan doesn't help him at all i agree i agree but he does have size and he has a little increased strength and he has more pop in the body um which he showed you in the last series when he was dunking on folks in transition um then you know you thought that he had and i mentioned that in the last series too you're getting more athleticism out of Tyler than anybody could have ever imagined. You knew he had all the moves. You knew he could handle the ball like a string. You knew the jump shot was sweet. You knew he could get to any spot, have the wanky finishes off any platform. But now that you're getting that athletic pop, I mean, you're talking about a totally different monster, which also leads to the fact that he can play defense. You just Certain guys just have to see more and realize what they're seeing. So if you see – I'll put it to you like this. If you see – the pick and roll transaction all your life, but you never know the key. So every time you're guarding it, your mission is the same. Okay, trying to get back in front of my guy, but you don't know how to do that. So essentially every time you see a pick and roll, you're attacking it wrong, you're reading different keys, or you never knew which key to read in the first place. Well, the Miami Heat are going to teach you what to read, how to read it, and rank the reads if the first read or the second read or the third read or the sequential read isn't there. 
so that you at least know what you're looking at. And when I say guys have to see more, that's all that means. It's like when you're working with people that are teaching those principles, defensive coaches, the Miami Heat organization, even look at what Jay Kidd is doing over there in Dallas. When you're working with guys that are teaching those principles, you have no choice but to get better because that's a procedural what you know thing. That isn't a athletic what you're physically capable of thing. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, Luke is a prime example. Like he – and not that Rick – not that Rick Carlisle doesn't teach defense. It's just that maybe you also needed the factor of, okay, I'm J. Kidd. I'm a Hall of Famer. I, I did this at a high level like you're trying to do. I won the title here. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Uh, we're going to touch on the Mavs Warriors series very briefly because we are mostly heat guys, but, you know, we – as Kenneth liked to say, we're Renaissance men. So absolutely, but yeah, eloquently stated on the Tyler Hero defensive front. I was just worried about you know having him having to go up against Derek White, Marcus Smart. Derek White did not. God damn, that guy did not play well Yo, for the. I'm, Derek White makes me look bad, man. I really liked him in San Antonio, and that really should speak to his pop. But he has not looked like the same guy since getting to Boston, and maybe I mean, that's because he. Maybe that's he because still he defends. don't have the rock. Right, he still. He was a triple double with usage, bro. The defense is still there, but offensively, oh my god, that That, with usage in San Antonio, he was a triple double too. So I'm not seeing that. Um, And again, maybe that was you know a pop thing. Pop put him in a situation to succeed. Now I hope he don't instantaneously turn back into that. In this series, of no, course, no, not, not against us, please. Yeah, it's just like you know, I, I really like Derek White in San Antonio. Hate him in the East, though. Yeah, but at least I mean, there are positions there where Jimmy got he got switched onto Jimmy, and Jimmy backed him down like he was nothing. Again, Derek White is Jimmy Butler's a really tall guy. He's a big guy. Well, I think Derek people White, sometimes I Derek, underestimate that. I think you underestimate how big Derek White is too, though. Him and Jimmy the same size. Jimmy just a different monster. Jimmy's just stronger. Yeah, Jimmy a different beast, brother. Jimmy, Jimmy yeah. got that that Tomball Texas strong. He country strong. <laughs> so, let's talk about other bench guys that saw action. Dwayne Detman got his soul snatch by Daniel Thice. That's okay though. I wanted to do that <laughs> every time. I wanted to try it again and again and again and again. Oh, see yeah. how long? See how many times keep, Tice can block it. Yeah. Keep trying to bug. Yeah, that was a great block by Tice. Oh, yeah. You give Tice credit. Absolutely. But do I want Dwayne doing that every time he can? Absolutely. Break his arm. Make him block it again and again and again. By the way, if that was like a normal human being arm. That, that arm that, would have been snapped across the room. Well, you know, that's an NBA player, so I guess that's why. Well, different. see, speaking of size, not only is Tice 6'10", 250, 260, 270, but that boy also from Germany, so... I mean, you know. Eh, I don't know a lot about Germany. Well, all I can tell you is they say that they're tough. <laughs> Caleb Martin saw action, defended Jason Tatum for a couple possessions, did not see too much action, actually. The only two guys that actually really saw not heavy minutes, the only only one guy saw heavy minutes off the bench, and that was Tyler. It was Victor Oladipo, the only guy who saw more than 12 minutes of the other guys and he played 15 offensively again still looking for it defensively the defense is still there for him that's mostly what i'm 
at this point, I'm just counting on his defense. Offensive, offensively, I'll just take it as a bonus whenever he has it. Well, here's the thing. And I want to make sure, because, I mean, you said a couple of names there, and I was listening, but I had sidetracked because I was thinking about your point. We're talking Caleb Martin here, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I thought so. Caleb's going to give you what he has to give you. And what I mean by that is you're right. The defense wait, wait, wait. is going to be there. I was talking about Oladipo. Sorry. Oh, okay. I'm like, wait a minute. That See see how you confuse me? Um, let yeah. me touch on the Caleb thing. <laughs> wait, let me touch did on I the... say Martin or did I say Oladipo? You started talking about Caleb, and then mid-sentence you started talking about Oladipo. I'm like, wait a minute. Where is he? But either way, man, we're on the same page now. Um, <laughs> let me touch on something with Caleb real quick. You like what he gave you in transition. He has to continue to shoot his shots. Because he hit a couple – well, he hit a three last night that was big in the moment that he hit it. Um, he got fouled on that second block attempt, but we're not going also, to by, talk too much further by, about that. By the way, uh, can't spell heart attack without heat. So Okay. Because. Already. <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> Depot, hit a, Depot hit a big shot or two last night too, man. Um, and it wasn't, again, one of those things where it was like a winning shot game. It's just like sometimes you need a shot to stop the run or to quell the bleeding. You know what I mean? And yeah. Depot hit a couple of those last night, like you said, defended. Um, I, look, man, Depot got on the floor. I, okay, I'll say it. I'll say it. And I told oh, you hey. this. I, maybe I've told you this on air, off air. We might have to move Duncan, but if that's what we got to do to keep Depot, Depot cannot leave Miami. I mean – Everybody, it's just that nobody wants to talk about it, obviously, because we're in the midst of a championship run or a potential championship run. And you know I love Duncan. But, you know I love Duncan. You, but, if we could keep you know, Depot, if we could keep Depot and Duncan, do it. Hell yeah, do it. But I, think, I don't know if that's possible. I think most, like rational or like, at least conscious Heat fans know that in the off season there might be some some tough departures that we're going to have to endure. But we're not, oh, yeah. we don't have to talk about that. Oh, yeah. That's something we can talk about later. Um, but, yeah, you, you got to do what you got to do to keep Depot because the way that he seamlessly fit in, become a very high-level role player, a guy that you could give the ball with 10 seconds left on the shot clock and say, go get me a look. Um, and then he's figuring out how to also be a guy playing a position along the wing or playing his position inside of a team defense. You love the way that he has acclimated himself into this team, especially um, in the playoffs as he jumped into the rotation. You know what I mean? Um, so you can't say enough about him. I mean, would you like him to show you more of that game five stuff, to show you more of that Orlando stuff in the last game of the regular season? Absolutely. But the game isn't calling for that because you don't want to take the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands. But whenever Depot gets his opportunities, there isn't a time where you say, hmm, I sure wish somebody else had took that shot. Even when he misses, you know, Depot tries to make something happen and you're confident in it. And I just I, I just can't see the man leaving, especially after when he dove on that floor last night and Jason Tatum jumped on him like it's a rugby like it's a rugby <laughs> scrummage. Um, you know, I, I was like, yeah, that's culture depot right there. By the way, speaking of having to pay somebody, uh, after next season, uh, somebody, either us or somebody else is going to pay Gabe Vincent a whole lot of money. So we also have to keep that in mind. Yes. But it, 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 matches, it matches up, though, bro. It matches up. 
his money would kick in because I mean we're still not talking max or super max or nothing like that. But the man's gonna get seven, eight million dollars a year, maybe ten, depending on how the market is. But and depending how he performs next season, because he still has right. a season to go. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's why I say seven, eight, low end seven. If he has a below average season next year, he still is gonna get seven to eight for how much he's improved and the fact that he can do what he can do when all things are equal, which he has done for the Heat over the last season and a half. But um, if he has a good season to great season last year, next year, like I said, it could get as high as maybe 10 or 11. But still, if you're looking at three for 33, four for 44, you know what I mean? That's still not max money. And that's also when Kyle, matter of fact, you could at that price, you could sign Gabe Vincent for nearly four years for what you're paying Kyle for one. So it will match up. We'll be fine there. Um, you brought it up, man. You went back to it. I'm going to tell you who yeah. ain't going to be on this team. And it hurts me. It, Duncan and Caleb. We're, we're, because if you bring Depot in, then you're getting what made Caleb so valuable. The defense, the energy, the athleticism, but you be getting it from a higher level player in your eyes. And I love Caleb. I want to keep everybody around while still adding, but I just don't think it's possible. So it's that possible. Duncan, there's a, right, there's that, a thing called a salary cap. Absolutely. So you brought it up and we won't dwell on it because we got plenty of time for that and not in the middle of a run. But that hurts me a little bit. It takes a little bit. It puts a little hole in my heart that yeah. Duncan and Kayla probably won't be here after this. But anyway, let's go. Let's keep talking about this incredible run that our team is on. How about that? And sorry for bringing the stuff up. I think the, I think we've said everything about game one. I mean, sure, I'm not going to discount the fact that the Celtics are missing, missing at least well, two huge pieces, and we're missing one huge piece to our end. But you know, as a, as we like to like give credit to our guys for and keep saying, "Hey, we're missing a starting point guard." They also were missing two key starters. So I'm interested to see going forward. Whenever they return, the early buzz is that, according to Chris Haynes' report, that Al Horford is not expected back for Game yeah. Two. I was going. I hadn't seen the report, but just based on the protocols and how you know the uh, national recommendations or whatever have gone. If it's he supposed just to be can't ten go, days, right? Right. Well, well, if you do the math on it, bro, he played Game Seven. What Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday. It was a he really played, quick turnaround for them. Right. He played Game Seven Sunday, and then all of a sudden on Tuesday he came down with it. Well, even if he came down with it Monday. From Monday to Friday is only five days, so there's no way he'd be to play on Thursday. And for all we know, he first tested positive Tuesday, so that was the beginning. The number is just on the line. So he yeah, might he not play in game. He might not play in game three, depending on what the recommendations are or how he tests. But you definitely know he's not playing in game two. Um, I'll say this though, to that point, before we get too deep there, it doesn't matter who they didn't have. They have a superstar, and we don't let the world tell it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, we don't they, have a superstar, and they do. They got one of the best players in the league, and we just got a guy who, you know, work hard, who's a free throw merchant. He's not good, right? Yeah. That's what they say. That's what they but say? I mean, I'm just we just go on based off what they say. That's what they, with a capital T, say. But Absolutely. Hey, who are... So, so why does it matter who they got and who they don't, JJ? No. 
I'm just trying I mean, to be a rational person. And I'm trying. I understand. To, I'm trying. I understand. I mean, you're pissing me off a little bit, though. Not you personally. With these national narratives, it's not like we didn't play without Bam Adebayo for 22 games. It's not like Jimmy Butler was in and out of the lineup all season long. It's not like Kyle Lowry didn't have things that he had to take care of on his own that caused him to miss time throughout the season. It's not like PJ Tucker was in and out of the lineup. It's a part of the game. Hell, Kyle Lowry has only played five or 12 possible games. We keep saying it. Don't give me yeah. injuries. You were up big in the first half. You couldn't come out in the second half and do what you were proceeded to do from the start of the game. I will admit, I was a little frustrated because it looked like the Boston Celtics came out ready to play and the Miami Heat didn't. But I said this as well. I was like, listen, the Boston Celtics came out and threw a blow. I know that the Miami Heat can, but are they? When they did, I said, listen, I told you this. We know that the Miami Heat can come back out like Rocky in the final fight scene of the movie and do their thing. But can the Boston Celtics deliver one back? And they couldn't. So they got the best player in the series. They got the superstar. We just got a guy over there that just, you know, got lucky because he worked hard. It shouldn't matter who they got and who they don't got. I get tired of hearing that shit. I get so sick of that shit. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Go off, Kevin. Kenneth. So... Let's talk a bit about the other side of the country, the Western Conference Finals. Oh man! The- First of all, look, we got to get a moment. We got to we we got to get a moment. We got to put our heads down. A moment of silence for what happened to the Suns in Game Seven. Yeah, that's. We got to put. A, think- let's let's take a moment of silence. You got to pull something out for the dead homies after you get your ass whooped like that. <laughs> Listen, I think that's the worst performance I've ever seen from a really good, really good regular season team in the playoffs. My God, my God, my God. That was a 64-win team. Bro, was it? I mean, I think. <laughs> I mean, jeez <laughs> Louise. But, God damn. I mean, the game was over. You got to sell the team after you lose like that in the game seven. And now they have questions. Of course, every team has questions after they lose. Absolutely. I, people were doing it with, with the bugs. Like that, People were doing it with the Bucks, and what and I was like, listen, let's settle down. For the right, next eight years, they're gonna be in it because they have a guy who's on track to be a a top ten player of all time at worst. So absolutely at worst. Um, so I'm not saying that the Celtics would have wouldn't have still beaten them, but they were without Chris Middleton. They got a valid excuse. Yeah, and also. They also got other issues to address. Wing death, for example. Somebody that can Absolutely. create it. I give you that, bro. But you're talking literally about what Chris Middleton... You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, no. Like, not I'm, only- not, I'm not discounting what Chris Middleton's absence. That was right. huge for them. It's just that I didn't like the discourse surrounding the Bucks, who I wanted to go up against. Absolutely. I prefer and the I, Celtics. I, I don't, I'll admit I don't it. Ha- what? Oh, yeah. Prefer you you prefer the Celtics. I'd admit, yeah. I'd admit it. I, I preferred the Bucks, but, you know... We play whoever's in front of you. Absolutely. But still, you know, I don't, I obviously have a well-documented disdain for the Boston Celtics. I don't necessarily dislike the Bucks. Yeah, they did some shit, shit talking, but, you know, mm-hmm. if they, I would be surprised if they didn't do any shit I'm sorry, talking. JJ, I'm sorry, JJ, the Miami Heat fan council is on the phone. I'm going to take this call about you while you keep talking. Hey, man, I'm just, I just really like Giannis. That's all. Sue okay, me. they got back to me. Okay, you you on probation. Okay, sue me. But anyway, on the Suns front, 
I think those questions that were coming up from multiple analysts, I think those are legit. Chris Paul is turning what? He's going to turn 38? He, he turned 30, yeah, he turned 37 uh, either in the last series or at the beginning of this series. So he's going to th- turn 38 next season. Yep. At this now, point, it, now, at this point now, what you're getting... Hold on. To I, be fair, he turns 38 as the time the playoffs are occurring. So, yes, he does turn 38 at the end of next season, but let's be fair. Okay. But still, at this point, what he's doing for a small point guard... This is unprecedented. Whatever you, whatever positive contributions he gives you at this age, that's I would yeah, unprecedented. We have never seen a point guard of his size. Because usually small guys they you know, when once the the burst and quickness is gone, then they're cooked. But since he's so smart and he takes care of his body in a different way, and of course the advancements on in science right. and all that and the rules of the game that also helps. But I would say, I mean, I, I to, to, to piggyback there really quick, I would say here's the thing. You mentioned his intelligence. The burst and quickness never totally leaves anybody, but they don't use it right. They try to use it all in one game, and then they don't have it for three or four games. Well, Chris Paul has notoriously picked his moment so well, and that may be a whole quarter or a whole half, but he's been able to pick his moment so well over the last seven, eight years of his career that he's been able to reserve some of that. And the thing about it is he still can do that. Now, his Game seven's performance is inexcusable, inexplicable, and that absolutely can't happen from a guy you're paying the type of money that you're paying him. And it's not about the money because I'm not in his pockets. All I'm saying is the money you're addic- the money you're being paid dictates your importance to the team, which is a James Harden and Philly question, but that's for a later part. Because, I mean, if you get that fool $270-something million combined with what you're going to have to pay him next year, I think like 45. I mean, you know, bravo to you, because that just means that the Heat won't have to worry about the Sixers for the next four years. But <laughs> I said that to say Chris Paul wasn't the issue, even though he didn't take his first shot until the third quarter and make his first shot, whatever. Um, but that's not the game. Quarter. That's exactly. The issue is you clip DeAndre Aiden's balls if you're the coach, and Booker didn't give you anything. And you can't tell me that Book is one of the MVP candidates, a perennial top seven player in the league, if he's not going to give you anything in a game seven. You can't tell me that. Also, and this, all, the sh- all the shit talking to Luca, the Luca special. How come does, on, how bro. The Luke, come how on, the Luca special taste? <laughs> you don't do that. You don't do that to a great player, bro. You don't do that to a great player. They, I mean, that's like talk. I'm, I'm, look, it's blasphemy. Um, it's blasphemy to compare anybody to Michael Jordan, so I'm not saying anybody's him, but you don't do that to Mike. You don't even do that to LeBron. You didn't do that to Dwayne Wade. You don't do that to Shaq. You don't Kobe. do that to you don't do that to Kobe. You don't do that to Jimmy Butler. You don't do that. Yeah. Because once you do that, they about to give you the business. It's their core mission, their life's work at that moment to give you the business. And I know you've seen the meme um or the picture cat or the the image capture going around from TNT that night. Where Luca, they were kind of leaned over, hands on knees, and Luca oh, yeah, looking was up smiling at, at them. Book. Yeah, he he up in his grill, like you you you're not talking anymore. No more words, <laughs> Mister Booker. Like he's kind of giving them that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. huh? What's up, player? One of those. I mean, hey, look, man, chef's kiss. I mean, doesn't this happen with certain players? Like obviously, Booker is a really good player. But I think people were propping him up to a tier that he's just simply Come not. on, bro. 
you you just said, CJ, that I wanted you to say it because I don't want people. I was going to say it. You know I was going to say it if we got too deep and it didn't naturally come out. But I love it when it naturally comes out because I don't seem like I'm going above and beyond the hate. I hate when we anoint these guys that haven't done shit. Like we're Listen. not saying Tyler. We're not saying Tyler Hero's an MVP. We're saying Tyler Hero's a really good player. He could have been an All Star this year, and we knew he was a six man. He's a really good player, and we appreciate him because he's going to help the Miami Heat win games with his ability on offense, and he's improving as a defender. But we're not putting him up as an MVP because he ain't won shit. And if you if, and if you really want to compare it, he's put up big numbers in winning situations. Until last year, Tyler Hero did it before Book did it, bubble or not. And to that point, JJ, you 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 started this. Look, so people want to call it a bubble or fraud, right? Hmm. Last oh. time I checked, last time I checked, the two teams that won the Eastern Conference Finals are back in the first post bubble year, at, in the first year after the first post bubble year. Hmm. Seems to me that the two teams um, that got blowed out in Game Sevens were the two teams that were hmm, in the finals last year. Which one seems like the more fraudulent season to you? Hmm. I'm not one to for fraudulent seasons or anything because that's just how 13 hey, year olds on NBA NBA Twitter talk. I, I didn't call it either one. I'm just saying which. Hey, hey, the math just ain't math, and JJ, that's all I'm saying. No, that's an that's a good observation. I just think every season is legitimate. Every season Absolutely. has it's every team has its lucky bounces. It's on lucky bounces. I agree. But I had so, to hear sweep. I had to hear sweep all off season. If you don't think I'm gonna be reminding Bucks fans and Phoenix fans that they got blowed out. Oh yeah, and that infamous picture of Brent Forbes of scoring Jimmy. Yes, yeah. Take take it on the chin. It and happened. Luca, now we need to create one that said Luca outscored your whole team in the first half. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Here's this interesting stat. He had more points than Booker. He had more assists than Paul. He had more rebounds than than Aiton in the entire series. How about that? That is nuts. And by the way, the Suns have a seven feet tall question in their yep. hands. Because yep. Monty Williams is one to, you know, he's always been like the good, the, the, no, the he's the good, he's the quiet boy. He's the quiet boy of NBA coaches. And you but know, I love he, Monty because he's from the crib. he very sternly just, said, it's an internal matter. Right. So, oh, oh. And let me clear this up. Quiet Boy wasn't a negative connotation. Quiet Boy in that Monty Williams has always been a stand-up guy. You never hear anything but good things from Monty Williams. Monty Williams has never so much as seemed like raised his voice. Even when he's doing a press conference, he's talking low and humble-like. And like I said, that boy from VA, so I got to support a homeboy. But like you said, to see him aggressively answer a question like that, put your antenna up, like, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. And... Some reports have come out. I'm not. I'm not sure how real they are, so I'm not going to repeat them here. Right. About playing time or mm-hmm. role or whatever. But they, yeah, things are can get really interesting in Phoenix because Robert Sarver has not, does not have a history of going above and beyond to keep a championship team together. I think Steve Nash can attest to that. Look, man, he done made his money over the last two years. He, even without A.M., Booker, and CP3, plus whatever they're able to bring in, when you think about Mikel Bridges, when you think about Jay Crowder, I don't know what his deal is. Even if, whether they bring Aiden back or not, they'd be fools to let JaVale McGee go anywhere, especially if they let Aiden go, though. Um, 
they'll be right there in the mix. I don't know if they'll be top top record in and the listen, league. Now that we're in it, the West is going to get really much better next season. Somebody's going to take Utah's spot. Somebody Absolutely. will. But that's um, you but can't then, see. Le- I can't see LeBron missing the playoffs again next year. You got Kawhi coming back. Um, you still have the Memphis Grizzlies who have to figure out how to be. So here's the thing. They're good with John Morant, and they're really good without John Morant. Now they got to figure out how to be twice as good with John Morant. John Durant. Durant, imagine that player. I mean, John Morant. <laughs> Sorry about that, boss. I mean, um, shit, imagine, imagine hey, look, that. Chill, chill out, bro. <laughs> chill out. Chill out. Um, if you're talking about seven foot with that handle and that jump shot, just cancel the league. Because all you got to do is give him one big that can roll with him and three shooters, and the game is over. Um, you got Memphis, like you said, you got Minnesota because here's the thing for Minnesota. And I told you this, I told you this a long time ago. Um, for me, Cat is a great number two. And on a winning basketball team, he's a number two. Well, that makes perfect sense because as we just saw in this past playoffs, their number one is Ant. And they're going to so, be in it. I think absolutely. they're going to be in it next year. Absolutely, because they can score 140 points on anybody. Now, they might give up 120, but, hell, that's good enough to get them a 6C, 7C play-in, make it to the show. Um, Denver's going to get their both of their there you go. both of their guys back. There so, you yeah, go. The, the Pelicans, they showed growth say, this season. The Pelicans, you got the Pels. Um, who's to say, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to tell you who's the most pissed-off man in the world right now. Dame Lillard. Did you see his reaction at the draft lottery yet? Oh, no. I did not watch the draft lottery. I just looked at the results. I mean, the draft lottery. Right. It's, just, it's nothing really to look at. And I wasn't really watching it minute for minute anticipating, oh, my God, which is something else we're going to talk about, who the Miami Heat might take if they decide to keep the pick. Some interesting things out there, but that's for a later show. Um, yeah. I mean, Dame Lillard's reaction, he kind of looked at DeMontis Sabonis, who was there for the Kings. Now, half of that was because you mother – now y'all going to get the pick, which means, of course, we didn't. We where we are. But I think half of that look was, I sat out all year for this shit. That's why tanking ah, tanking is... The Thunder finally got a top three pick. But Absolutely. That's how, how long did they have to wait? And by the way, the Thunder situation, they got to start. I think they're... They've got some good guys. They got poker. They don't have. Any, they, they, hey, brother. They don't have no fucking excuses now. They don't have no excuses. They, when you talk about SGA, when you talk about Poku, when you talk Giddy. about um, Giddy, when you talk Dort. about uh, the dude with two first names. Um, I mean, <laughs> two first names. <laughs> come on now, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Um, hold on, I gotta go see it because he got two first names. I, I, I swear he do. Um, Lou Dort. I mean, nah, not Lou Dort, but him. You talk but about he's still the a fact. Core piece. Absolutely. No, 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 no. I was just saying I wasn't – I didn't necessarily mean him to do with two first names. I'm just saying you talk about Dort, SGA, Giddy, like you said, Poku, whoever they bring in this year, which is going to be a good player. Um, I mean, just take Jeremiah, Jeremiah Earl maybe I think that's his name. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. They got, they got Darius Baisley, who's a good player. They got Ty Jerome, who's a good player, who I like. They got Isaiah Roby, who I like. Trey Mann. Mike Muscala, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Yeah, that actually, yeah, that brother got two first names. Um, anyway, <laughs> long story short, I mean, they got some talent over there, man. And when you look at the lottery, right, with them at number two, so 
Who do you just think is going to go number one? Just let them take Chet so we can have a Poku Chet lineup. Well, see, here's the thing, though, bro. <laughs> I think that the number one team is going to do them a favor. Taking Chet Holmgren off the board would be doing a favor for everybody else. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, because Chet Holmgren. You, go ahead. Now you got to choose between Jabari or, or, or Paulo. That's what I'm saying. And, if, and, 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 and who are you taking? I just value, I mean, listen, both, I think both guys are going to be great. I, I'm not a, I'm not an NBA draft expert. This is just mostly going off vibes, what people have written with the street. Some, maybe some random highlights I've watched. I just really value size and the ability to create from Paulo. Booyah. And that's how you take, and that's who you take. You take Paolo if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder. You can't lose. Okay. And by the way, Let's if, I'm, for, if I'm the Pistons, I'm, I'm in the mud. Because imagine Jabari Smith with Detroit. Kate Cunningham setting him up. Just keeps surrounding Kate with shooters. I feel you, man. But if you're the Pistons... And by what, the way, what, what? I'm, I'm going to put it out there. That's a sneaky Duncan trade destination. You think so? Yeah. Movement shooter, pair with Kate Cunningham. You know what, bro? I'm not even gonna hold you, and I hate to say this, but I fear, I, I really fear this. You know what Duncan gonna end up? L.A. Yep. They don't have anything to give us. They got money. Yeah, but you need to you need to match at least something with the contracts. You're right, bro. But if we take some guys, we're, we're, we're gonna take THT. Expirings, or you know what I mean? Some guys we can Kendrick wave Nunn? and get off. Are we going to take him we, back? We fuck no. We can include <laughs> another team in the. De- <laughs> I like K nine, man. I'm just busting his balls. I like K nine, but I'm just saying. I think somehow, some way. Well, he doesn't have. Doesn't, he doesn't have a place on our team <laughs> because that those oh, two point guard spots are taken. Yeah, the minutes are gone, brother. The minutes are gone, and matter of fact, all three of the point guard roles are taken. We got a uh, starter, a backup, and an alternate. A hybrid, you might call him. Combo guard. Well, I call him an alternate because he can slide in at one of any three positions. You know what I mean? I call him a combo guard. Depot we're talking I, about, right? I understand. Yeah, absolutely. But you got to realize, man, Depot has also played some wing in this league, too. Yeah, that's true. You but let's see if we, go, if we go, like, really small. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with you there. I'm just saying, like, it, it's, it's not strange to see him on the wing because he's did that in this league. And he can also guard the wing. You know what I mean? Any any wing guy. I mean, one, two, three, I'm comfortable with Depot on him all day long. And he's strong enough where I'll be like, okay, I don't mind the one four switch. I don't want it all game long, but I don't mind it because you're strong enough. So that's why I say I just call him an alternate. And that's the be- and see, I hate to go back to this, but that's why we need to keep Depot. He's the ultimate utility piece. He's like Kike Hernandez, man. Anyway. Uh, what you got, man? What you got on fine, the Golden State Series? Give me three bullets on the Golden State Series, and then we'll give three more bullets on Game 2 Heat Celtics. Three bullets on Golden State Dallas Mavericks. I want to know, who do you think win games one? I want to go on the on the Heat Celtics. I want to go series-wide because this one is this going to be a – I think this was going to be a dog fight. Well, see, I would rather see the first two games first, and I say that because you want to know – 
Here's the thing that could happen. Actually, I want to see the first three games first. Okay, because fair game, enough. You, you, you want to see them in Boston? Yeah, because usually okay. with, with this with these series, if the first two games, they end up in similar fashion, the skeptics might write it off as, oh, the home team or whatever. But if the third game ends up close in favor of the, of, you know, in this case, the Celtics, but the Heat played well, I'm feeling really good about our chances. But if we end up getting blown out, then I'm starting to feel different. You know what I'm saying? And and I think even right now, I think this goes a distance. I think we go seven. Absolutely. It could go. I mean, because my thing would be this. Though. Both of these teams are incredibly well constructed, right. excellently coached. Absolutely. They both play defense at an incredible level. Absolutely. And have just enough offense to beat anybody. Both have some guys playing the best ball of their lives. So, this is going to be a really fun series, really stressful series as a fan with a rooting interest. Understandable. I think that game one was this. Did the Boston Celtics really empty their gas tanks early and not have enough boost to pick it back up? Or did the Miami Heat figure something out at halftime that's going to allow them to win game two as well? And that's why I say I need to see game two. Because every game has adjustments, but they're going to have to adjust to the adjustment you made. And if they fail to adjust, that put them further behind the eight ball. If you see that they can counter that and be effective in game two, then that's where your problem relies because then it becomes a game of adjustments and who can continue to make the best adjustment. That means nobody really has the leg up. Whereas what I'm saying is if the Miami Heat continue to execute what they executed and the Celtics still have a problem, well, the Miami Heat still maintain that leg up. And that's why I'm saying that just tells me that or not. I think the first three games are going to be an excellent chess match between two excellent coaches. Absolutely. Because, I mean, you'll notice last night, like I said, they were allowing them to get to their spots, but then they started blitzing uh, Jason Tatum earlier, making him give the ball up, and he couldn't make the right decisions. So I don't know if you can learn to make the right decisions in two days. Maybe just and have I, guys clo- maybe just have guys closer to him. Sure. Well, see, even if you give it up though, yeah, you can give it up early to keep you from turning it over, but is giving it up early gonna allow you to then get back to your stuff? Like there's so many moving parts. It isn't just giving it up and not giving away the ball that's important. It's not giving away the ball while also having a way to make sure you convert something, get a good shot, or get it back to me because I'm the best player. Do you see what that I'm saying? That is true. And also I just want to see them with Marcus Smart and how we perform against him okay. with Marcus well, we, Smart. We also gotta we also gotta be patient enough to see if he even gonna play. That's true. The Chris Haynes report that we referenced earlier mentioned that Emo Idilka was talking about they're gonna they're hoping to see if he goes in game two, but it all depends on the next thirty six hours how how his foot responds to Absolutely. treatment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that being said, man, um I mean we've pretty much given our forecast on how the rest of the Boston Heat thing gonna go. And, of course, we're going to try to get back to you all more soon and late. I don't know what Mr. MLB's schedule is, but we're going to try to get back to you guys um, a little sooner than we have been, of course. Let me get you, let me get this one out of you before uh, Mavs-Warriors game one. As, like you mentioned earlier, we're coming to them on Wednesday, May 18th, immediately prior to the game. Uh, give me your Let's game one a, pick. Yeah. Game one pick. I'm taking Golden State. Because of the really quick turnaround for Dallas. 
although they don't have to travel travel really far. It's still tough. I mean, shit, that's another thing from the Heat Celtics series. I'll give my guys all the credit. They're the, well, the best condition and all that. You know, it's a tough turnaround for a team to be playing Boston, get on a flight the next day. And I'm not making up excuses before you come at me. No, you're good, brother. I'm, I understand. But I'm just that's saying. Why you, but, that's, but you know what? While everybody poo-pooed the number one seed, the number one seed's path was the number one seed. Don't poo-poo the number one seed because we got it. And then complain about being tired. That is true. That's why the regular season is so important. Although some people don't want a minute. But anyway, Warriors maps very quickly. I don't think the, the Warriors have anybody to stick on a Luka unless you want to deploy Draymond on him, which I don't think would be wise because then the other guys, Luka with his passing, will just pick you apart. However... Okay, okay I'm sorry. Go ahead. I want to see... Steph Curry has been good right like, hasn't been he hasn't been classical great Steph Curry yet I want to see what lineups the Mavs trot out there do they go really small Cleveland at the five how does that hold up so for me um I mean to answer in the direct order that you answered in I also take the Warriors um and I'm gonna answer this question early now um because I'm gonna ask you later right at the end um well in a couple of minutes here you know i said the Warriors was one of my competitors for the title in the West earlier the season, so I'm rocking with them to win the series, although Luka can win it. Um, when it comes to Luka defensively, I think you'll see Draymond on him at the end of the game because then you're in a position where you know how many fouls Draymond has. Draymond can then try to be physical with him to also take advantage of everything else he's had to go through through the first three quarters. But I think throughout the first three quarters of the game, you're going to see a lot of – you might see Damian Lee on him, I know you're going to see Clay on him. I know you're going to see Wiggins on him. And you're going to see Kaminga on him. Because Kaminga, athleticism, size, and strength can kind of at least tire him out, even if Kaminga can't stop him or slow him down, which nobody can. For me, it's going to come down to this, though. And if he doesn't get in foul trouble. because absolutely, but, but that's why we're talking about four different guys. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. he's Luca's going to get somebody out of those oh, four in oh, foul trouble. Two of them in foul trouble. You feel me? So that's why yeah. I said, and that's why you don't, and that's why you sprinkle Kaminga in between Wiggins and Clay touches, but that's also why you save Draymond to the end. Because if you try to stick Draymond on him only early in the fourth quarter, Draymond will pick up three fouls in a period. That got one, because that's just how good Luka is. Two, because that's the way that Dre play defense. Three, because Luka's a star. He do get star calls. Let's admit that. Um, for me, the game, game one specifically, comes down to who can be the best player on the floor when it matters the most. Is Steph Curry going to show up and be classical great Steph? And if he doesn't, I think Luka can win the game. But I do take the Warriors in game one. I'm taking the Warriors in game one as well. However, Who you think? for, Who you think for the, the series, series I, want to, I want the Mavs to win, but I they just... say who you want to win, who you think going to win. And this, is, this sounds crazy coming from a Heat fan wanting the Dallas Mavericks to win a series. I just right. want a potential... I just want a three match. And, and that's why I said that. That's exactly. Y'all, y'all are so nostalgic. That's why I said that. Not Listen, who you want to a, win. Because you're not the only one that gonna have the Heat Mavs um, again. I get it. The third generation of Heat Mavs. You're trying to go all 2005, 2013 on me. Oh, hold on. 2011, 2010. Either way, you know what I mean. <laughs> Two, oh, 06, oh, oh, 06 and 11. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean. Listen, those those are three different generations of the teams. 06. They're well, 
you could say 11 is similar with how just Dirk being the clear-cut best player for the, the Mavs and him, him just carrying them. Absolutely. I will, I will admit I was really young in 06, so I don't really know a lot about about that team. But I will. I obviously do know that. We have Zoe, Peyton, Wade, Shaq. Shaq. But, you know, I Jay just Williams. went for... N- n- Nostalgic purposes, since we're right. and, since and if we're and, talking about since in everything we we do in the world now, we're getting reboots, we're getting endless sequels. Why don't we get a sequel here as well? I got you. And if we're talking, and real quick, if we're talking the big three arrow one, um, if we had a guy an engaged LeBron, we'd have won that one too. But that's neither here nor there. We can wrap it up. Yeah. So even then, I'm taking Golden State in six. I wish I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I'm sticking with that right now. I just think mm, Golden State. Six. Ooh. I, I think Golden State. I'm, yep. I'm scared to call it six. I, I don't know, man. Six or seven. I, I'll go. You're gonna go seven. <laughs> I'm gonna go seven, bro. Luke is that good. I, I, don't, man. I don't. I don't. I don't disagree with you. Luke is that good. And we're we're not even mentioning how good Jalen oh, Brunson and they and were. Yeah, that's. I wanted to touch on that. If Dinwiddie and Brunson. Can both, like, if you get Brunson against the Jazz, then I think the Warriors might be in trouble. Well, see, that's the thing, man. They got two options. Here's the kicker: if and if Dimwitty, if if Dimwitty's, sorry to cut you off. Oh, you're good. Let me, you're good. let me get this. Let me get this off. If Dimwitty's play from, I want to say, Game Seven, maybe Game Six for the Mavs. Well, I don't know. If game Seven is just that it was such a blowout, but. If Dinwiddie's play carries over from the last series, it's going to be tough. If you from ever... There, I, would, I would just call it a toss-up if that, if that so happens. So listen, man. The Mavs can win any game where it's Luka and one of them. If Luka and Brunson or Dinwiddie get you 20 or more, the Mavs can win that game. If there's ever a game where Luka, Dinwiddie, and Brunson are on, or if they can manage to be on for four games in this series in the same game, the Mavs will win this series. And also key, if the three keeps on. By the way, this is an, I don't know if people realize they're doing this with a Tim Hardaway Jr. in street street clothes. Street clothes, bro. So how about that? But you also but you also gotta give a shout out to guys like Davis Bertans, who people have buried also, after Washington I, gave him all that money. You gotta give shout out to guys like Maxi Kleber. Who came off the know. turn and hit some big shots? You got to get shout outs to guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, who went nuts. Oh yeah, in, the, in that game. So you know, they got oh, guys that are producing too. Do you think this is the series for Bertans? Because if they switch him out to a perimeter, they're going to cook him. I do. Might... You know why I think this is a series for Bertans? Because the Warriors are small. You can play Bertans near the rim as one of your biggest type guys. Put him on Draymond. Draymond ain't going to shoot that many threes, and if he do, you live with it. And then you're bigger than him. So you can hit the boards and make sure that he don't kill you there. And by the way, we've talked a lot about the I think you can play Bertans in this, in this. or Cleveland. We haven't, I mean, excuse um, me about the maps, but we you, haven't you talked about the You won't see much Dwight Powell because you're going to want perimeter. So for the Warriors. You're going to want perimeter-oriented guys probably, to keep Draymond I would out say, of the paint. So that when he, you know, when Luka gets by his first guy, when Jalen Bronson gets by his first guy, that he has a, you know, a good look at the room. Yeah. We... we Let's touch on the on the Warriors very quickly, because we talk a lot about math strategy, but we haven't mm-hmm. talked a lot about 
Oh, because we know what they're going to do. Move the ball and let that bitch go. Yeah, but I think this is an especially important Draymond series. Because you know that Jason Kidd is going to hide his worst defender on him. And they're just going to... The Grizzlies were doing it to a degree. The Grizzlies could have... The Grizzlies could have... Could have won... Like, they could have taken that to seven. In my opinion. But anyway... I think Golden State Warriors in six. You said seven. And with that, we close this episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And get your get us whatever you get your podcast. So see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>